A big welcome to those of you who are online and just joining us now. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. We will be doing communion at the end of the service. So if you do not have elements ready to go at home, um, feel free to get those. And those of you who are still trickling forward to come get them, feel free to do that in the next few minutes um, because we will be participating with communion in communion at the near the close of the service. Let's let's start by hearing how God greets us. Um, it's it's one of the principles of worship that um, we enter in, enter into worship that is already happening, that God is already here, and yet at the same time we we want to make ourselves aware of that. And uh, He, the Lord, invites us into His presence, and this is one of the ways that God speaks to His people and what He says. It's in Scripture. Uh, it's a greeting that God has in many ways, but it's also. Uh, not just a greeting of this is who I am, but this is what I'm doing at the moment. And so the Lord uh, says through his prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Hear it as something that the Lord is saying to you about what he wants to do in your life, what he is doing right now in this room, that he greets you and he has favor in mind. He has greater freedom in mind for you. Let's do our call to worship now. And this one we will do together. It'll come back. There you go. Thanks, Lionel. You can join me in the all portion. Sing praises, sing the praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people. Praise his holy name. You turned my mourning into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. Amen. Let's pray and then we'll do the Apostles' Creed. Lord, there is a movement that happens in what we have just read, what we have just declared, there is a movement from mourning to joy, from from a trouble to a release and a solution. And whether we have experienced that movement this week or whether we we hear scripture and once again say, "I, I trust my Lord for this, you are a God who can be celebrated as one who wants to take his people out of captivity and into a promised land. From where there have been chains and slavery and forced labor and mourning and grief, you are a God who who brings us from that into freedom. And sometimes there's a wilderness along the way, but there is an end point at which you want to call your people in this life to a greater experience of, of your presence as you make yourself known all through that journey. You are a God who sets captives free and calls us into freedom. Lord, would you do that here this morning? Would you do that among my brothers and sisters here who, as we even review those scriptures, say, oh, I I still see myself with a chain. I, I still see myself with some darkness. And what I need to hear right now is the year of the Lord's favor being spoken over me. So in Jesus' name, I speak and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor over those who are walking in darkness right now. We, we take you at your word, Lord. We put our trust in you, that this is a movement you take your people along. 
Would you do that for us this morning? Would you do that for the trouble that is being named right now? Silently before you as they listen to me pray. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You have continually anointed your people with your Spirit in order to proclaim that Isaiah message. Jesus picked it up. And Jesus picked it up and said it was fulfilled in the hearing of those people 2,000 years ago. Therefore, it is still fulfilled today because Jesus has not changed. Would you reorient our way of thinking so that we repent and trust Jesus for the work that he is doing? Would you guide us into greater freedom and wholeness because that is your purpose and your plan for your people? Lord, we are, we are about to, in a moment, once again, recite the great truths of our faith. But we do this as a declaration, not simply of facts, but of things that can be lived because this is who you are. And we take you at your word. You are a promise keeper. And you have not changed. So we put our faith and our trust in you, Jesus, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You, will you say this with me? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. Let's just pray again. Lord, we are about to open your word. May it be your words that are heard and received this morning. Everything that is simply of me, may it not even reach the ears or hearts of my friends here. We want your, your life, your truth, your spirit, your way to remain. We want you to have your way. Lord, would you make sure that your word lands where it is supposed to land? Like that parable of the sower, Lord, would your word go out here this morning and find good soil? May the enemy not come and take it away. May the worries of this world not choke it out. May it not find shallow soil that dries up quickly and doesn't take root. May this, may this seed find rich, deep soil, and may you Nurture it, and may you show us how to nurture it well. We want to be people of good soil because you have good seed. Have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome, McLarens. I didn't know you were going to be here, but you are my introduction. Um, the, uh, the council this week decided that... Um, in light of the decision that was made at the semiannual meeting back in November, where at the semiannual meeting, the, the congregation decided that we would formally call Rob McLaren um, 
to be ordained. Um, this was a, a joint process between our church and the church where Rob has been serving for the past year or more uh, up in Camrose. And so they, we have been working through an ordination process. And the, the culmination of that process is um, a weekend where Rob is going to be formally um, grilled, I think is what happens. He presents a paper, we ask questions and so on. That's on a Saturday. A few delegates, delegates from our church will go for that. But the Sunday is the actual ordination service. And at the ordination service, uh, the council has decided that we will not have a church service here. We will not have a worship service here at Unity because we as a congregation decided that we were going to have Rob ordained. We needed to back that up by going and participating. And so there will be no service here on Sunday, June the 5th. Okay, We are going to go and worship uh, there jointly with another one of our NAB churches. Um, we, if, uh, if you can't make the trip, there is a YouTube um, channel which you can, uh, you can log on to to participate in the service that way. Um, but for those who are going to come, this church is going to want to know in advance uh, how many people are coming approximately so that they can get food ready. So there's going to be a sign-up sheet. There's going to be a sign-up sheet going out this week. Uh, Christina will send it out. So can you please, in the next couple of weeks, Put your name on there and say, yes, I will be going to this particular service uh, up in Camrose at Century Meadows Baptist uh, on the, June the 5th. Where do I sign up? You sign up online. That's, the, that's my question for this morning, though. Where do I sign up? Online. Yeah, this, this is an introduction. It's a segue into something else. I'm just using this as a, as a segue. Okay. That wasn't my rhetorical question. Where do I sign up? Okay. Um, if you say that you are going to go, but you don't sign up, what does that say about you? That's a rhetorical question as well. Are you really committed? If you say to yourself and to God, to other people, that you're going to sign up, or you're going to go, but you don't sign up, are you actually committed? If you do sign up, but then you don't go, what does that say about your commitment? This is about commitment. Where's Jesus' sign-up sheet? Here's follower. What's Jesus' sign-up sheet? Think about, think about the Gospels. What's Jesus' sign-up sheet? Who are the people who are committed and who have signed up? Is it the people who say they are going to go? Or is, the people who have, is there a sign-up sheet that you actually have to go through in order to confirm that you are in fact going? There is a sign-up sheet. It's called baptism. And it's front-end loaded. Jesus gets baptized at the beginning. The disciples get baptized right at the beginning. So for people who say, I'm committed to Jesus, but you haven't gone through baptism, that's actually saying you're committed without showing that you're committed. For those of us who have gone through and put our name, up, name on the sign-up sheet and we are baptized, are we living it? Or are we those people who have put our names on the sign-up sheet, we've gone through that right, but then we're not living that commitment? Jesus' sign-up sheet is baptism. I am going to do Q&A today, so if you have questions about baptism, feel free. I'm going to keep this talk about baptism relatively simple. There's a whole lot of really deep theology, which is a lot of fun to get into, but I'm not going into that today. So there's like a whole link between the Exodus and Jesus' baptism and our baptism. I'm not even going to touch on that. I'm going to keep it really simple. Um, and I'm actually lifting from, maybe it's material Rob put together or Dennis, I don't really know. I'm lifting from our material. Baptism is a wedding and it's a funeral. And I'm going to add one more to it, but we're going to, and a washing, but we're going to start there. And 
we're going to ask the question, have you signed up? And are you living what you signed up for? Okay. Go to Acts 22, please. In Acts 22, uh, beginning at verse 12, the Apostle Paul is reciting, recounting his story to, to a group of people. He's defending himself, and part of his defense is just telling a story about how he met Jesus. And so he, he's retelling the story of the Damascus Road. And I'm just picking it up at a certain point where he says at verse 12, so after he'd met Jesus, he'd been blinded. He had to make his way to Damascus. They led him there. Um, and after a while, he says, a certain man named Ananias, who was a devout man according to the law, and he was well spoken of by all the Jews there. He came to me and standing beside me, he said, brother, that's very important, brother Saul, regain your sight. And then that hour I regained my sight and I saw Ananias. And then he said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will, to seek the righteous, to see the righteous one and to hear his own voice. For you will be his witness to all the world of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you delay? Because he's already a brother, right? Brother Saul. Why do you delay? Get up, be baptized, and have your sins washed away, calling on his name. Baptism is a washing. If you recall over the last number of weeks, as we have been working our way through Galatians, one of the main things that we have been hitting over and over again in Galatians is that if I, I can never be enough. It, and so what I end up doing is I have to trust Christ for making me right with God because the relig religious rites that I go through will never actually get me where I need to be. But, and, and yet at the same time, what we do so often in the church is that we say, yeah, we trust Jesus for salvation, but now in order to stay right with him, I have to do everything that I possibly can and, and, and both do all of the religious rituals as well as, uh, you know, keep all of the rules. And otherwise, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm really right with Jesus. And we, what we end up doing as we go through that, and you, you remember these conversations, we've had them over a number of weeks. What we end up doing is saying, I'm actually washing myself, Jesus. What, what baptism symbolizes is that Jesus is the one who does the washing. I don't wash myself. I, I don't cleanse myself. It's, it's Jesus who does this. Psalm 51, what does it say? Create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit in me. You know, all of that. Wash me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. It, it's, it's God who does it, not me. If you're looking to cleanse your conscience, go to Jesus. Don't try to figure out a way to keep on doing it by yourself. You will never get there. And we've talked about that over and over again in Galatians, so I'm not going to repeat that point. But it, it's, he is the one who washes us clean. And it's when we come to Jesus, when we come to the cross, when we say, I can't do it on my own. I need you to do it. Wash me, Lord. And he continues to do that. And baptism is that symbol of it, that as we come to Jesus, as we trust Jesus and what Jesus has done, that's where the washing takes place. I don't do it myself. He does it for me. And that's good, good news. Baptism is a washing. This one I'm going to spend a little bit more time on. It's a wedding and a funeral in one. Um, I don't know. No one ever made a comment about it. For a number of years, I didn't wear my wedding ring. Last couple of years. Uh, and the reason was that I got scared one day. I had a friend who broke his arm. And he fell off his bike, broke his arm, and he went to the hospital. His arm was swelling up. His hand was swelling up. And they looked at his hand and they're like, we need to get that ring off very quickly or you're going to lose your finger in the process. And he's like, okay, well, can you guys cut it off? Because it, it was swollen quite badly. They weren't sure they were going to be able to get it off. And they're like, well, what's the material? And he said, titanium. 
They're like, they're like, we can't cut that off. So we better get some lubrication going there quickly. Eventually, they were able to get it off. They didn't have to cut it off. But I heard that story. I'm like, oh, no, I am not wearing. I have a titanium ring. I'm not wearing that ring anymore because I don't want this to happen. So I don't know. I let a little paranoia get in the way. Um, I started wearing my ring again just, I don't know, a number of months ago. I was just one time in prayer. And I, I'm hearing the Lord say something like, you need to wear that. This is a symbol of a commitment that you made, and that commitment is actually more important than your finger. So, you know, go get a, go get a different ring if you want, but you have to wear that. Um, our commitments are deeply, deeply important. They're more important than a finger. The, this ring is actually more important than the finger. Um, do we take our commitment to Christ that seriously because baptism is a symbol of that commitment baptism is both a wedding and a funeral in one okay it, it's the funeral first where where we, we that the reason we go down underwater is because it's being it's a symbol of being buried with Christ so I put my trust in Jesus. I'm joined to Jesus. I have joined him in death. Jesus died first. Right? It's a funeral. And the old life that I had stays dead. And the new life that I get as we rise out of the water, as we are joined to a new life in Christ, that's the wedding moment. That's the commitment moment. Well, it's all the commitment. But the, you know, my ring is just a really easy symbol of that. But the baptism, baptism is two metaphors in one. It, it's, it's funeral first, and it's, it's wedding. It's new life. And we see this in Romans chapter 4, verse 6. Would you go there, please? Sorry, I got my, I'm sometimes dyslexic. Um, it's chapter 6, verse 4. I think I said 4, verse 6. Chapter 6, verse 4. Paul says, We have been buried with Christ by baptism into death. We go down. Right? So that just as Christ was then raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. There is a new life that starts when you get married, isn't there? There's one life that's over at a funeral, and yet there's a new life that gets started when you get married. The ring is the symbol of that, right? Baptism is the symbol of both at the same time. We died. Have we been living that, friends? Have we been living our baptism? This isn't just the, the, a message for the, maybe the few people in the room or online who haven't been baptized. The question is, have we been living, the rest of us, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus where every single day it's, no, I was baptized. I don't, this isn't my life anymore. This is not my life anymore. Do you live your day-to-day -day life as though this is not my life anymore? I am joined with Christ. I have made my lifelong wedding ring commitment to Jesus. It's not my life anymore. Because it's not. When? When do people get baptized? When do people get baptized? People get baptized typically when they feel like they are going to be spiritually ready for it. Happens all the time. And it's a lie. Like straight up, that's a lie. That you, you get baptized when you feel like you're now spiritually ready for it. Do you know what that will actually do to you if you believe that lie and you go through with it? You will continue to be the one who washes yourself for the rest of your Christian life. 
until you repent of that lie. We don't wash ourselves. We don't raise ourselves to new life. It doesn't happen when we feel like or think we are spiritually ready for it. It happens when we make the commitment. Have you made the commitment? You'll know you've made the commitment when you get baptized. Where do I sign up? When you sign up, happens when you make the commitment. So in our previous passage, the Apostle Paul has just been called brother. He's just received his sight, and now it's go and be baptized. The Ethiopian eunuch on the, on the road, as Philip is, is uh, helping him work through Isaiah, the first thing that he does is he says, oh, there's water. I should be baptized. It, it, it comes that soon. I realize there's somewhat of a question around children, right? That's, that's sort of a fuzzy gray area. I, I'm happy to have that conversation with people individually. Um, but, you know, when does our culture say that you can start making decisions for yourself? How old is you can drive? I had that frightening conversation just a few moments ago because I have an almost 12-year-old and I'm thinking Albertans let their, their, uh, our people drive, our children drive far too early, in my opinion. You know, having the conversation yesterday with someone else about how you can buy, um, you know, whether it's pot or, or alcohol at 18, right? I mean, when can you start taking the courses that you want to take that are going to determine your university track or your college track? When do you start picking those? Uh, high school parents, help me out. When do you actually, when do your kids first start taking, picking courses that are going to determine their track? Someone help me out. 17? Yeah. 17. Right? You get to start making decisions pretty early on. There are decisions that need to be made in teenage years. And it's a big decision. And yet not at the same time because Jesus can be trusted. It's big because it's lifelong. But we trust Jesus for that. When do we get baptized? I would simply say as soon as possible. I don't think scripture gives you a different answer than that, to be honest. I, I can't find one in scripture. When do I make the commitment to Jesus? Like as soon as I meet Jesus. Like, because that's how awesome Jesus is, right? Like you meet him and it's, no, it's now. Like Jesus is this good. He is this trustworthy. I can give the rest of my life to him. I don't know what the rest of my life is going to hold. And yeah, maybe teenagers don't know what the rest of their life is going to hold. And 20-somethings don't know what the rest of their life is going to hold. You know what? I don't know what the rest of my life is going to hold. Neither do you. You're lying to yourself if you think you do. We trust Jesus for, we trust Jesus precisely because we don't know what the rest of our lives hold. Right? Let's reverse that completely. Right? I'm going to commit to Jesus precisely because I don't have a sweet clue what next year holds. And I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. He does. That's why we commit to Jesus. So when? ASAP. How about June 19th? I know that's weird. We, we're going <laughs> to, we're having a baptism service on June 19th. Someone is asked to be baptized. More are welcome. Okay, it's a relatively simple process. You say, I would like to be baptized. And then one of us makes sure that you have met Jesus. That's essentially the process. I just want to hear, tell me about how you met Jesus. And if you met Jesus, I baptize you. I, or your parents, or your friends, or a mentor, or someone who's had a meaningful relationship to you. I, maybe it's not me. It doesn't matter me. Yeah. I want you to meet Jesus and follow Jesus. I don't care whether or not I baptize you. I don't care whether it's at the river. I don't care whether it's here. I care whether or not we've committed to Jesus. Right? This isn't about Ben, ben adding, you know, you know, trophies or something like that. It's nothing like that. Meet Jesus. 
Meet Jesus, follow Jesus, commit to Jesus. You will not regret it. Now, I said that there was going to be Q&A. I told you this would be short. I, I told you I wanted to keep it simple. I told you there's more to it. So you can take it in any direction you want now. Are there questions that come to mind? Um, comments, responses, even those who are online, uh, you're always, I don't think we have ever had someone online um, unmute and ask a question, but there's always a, an opportunity for that. So does anyone want to respond in any way? Questions, comments, interaction in any way? Meridel. I hope you're right too, Meridel. Um, for those of you who couldn't hear Meridel's comment, she is relating um, a sad story about a brother who, who passed away having accepted Christ as Savior but not gone through baptism and saying she believes that she will see him again when she meets the Lord as well. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to question that. There's, there's one verse that troubles people. Um, and it's in First Peter chapter 3, verse 21. It, it's making a very odd argument because it's talking about Noah, um, how Noah and eight other people were saved uh, through water, which this, and then he says, and baptism, pref uh, which this prefigured, baptism now saves you. Not as the removal of dirt from the body, not as a washing. In other words, it isn't the baptism that washes you clean. It is trusting Jesus, and the baptism is the symbol of washing you clean. But it's not so not as a washing, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So there are some who would point to this and say, uh, we we believe that baptism actually then does save you. Um, I, I, I think the emphasis of this verse, however, is on it is the appeal to God that saves you, not the baptism itself. But I understand why people might go a different direction. So yeah, I hear you, Meridel, and I would I would affirm what you are saying, that it is not the baptism that saves us. It is trusting in Jesus. Jesus is our Savior, right? He is Savior and Lord, which means our baptism is not my Savior, right? Because if it's my baptism that's my Savior, I'm truly my Savior, and I'm the one that actually has to keep myself clean. You see how all those things are related? Right? No, we go to Jesus, and it's Jesus that we put our trust in. If we put our trust in Jesus for our salvation. We put in G our trust in Jesus for continuing to keep us right with God. And all of the things that we do, whether it is tithing or church membership or not having an affair like we talked about the other week or being baptized are all responses out of gratitude to the Jesus who has saved us. They are not the things that save us in and of ourselves. But the question is always rightly asked, if Jesus has saved you, it should, should it not be shown by the way that you are living? By tithing and attending church and going through baptism and not having an affair and, and so on and so on and so on, right? And if those evidences are not there, it is fair to raise that question with our brother or sister. Sorry, I keep looking at you, Meridel. You didn't raise this. <laughs> um, it is fair to ask that question of our brother and sister, have you truly met Jesus? Because the people who meet Jesus respond in these ways. You see the distinction? It's response versus earning. So thanks for raising that and for then letting me 
take it where I want it, I guess, okay? <laughs> Spirit-led, something like that. Um, other questions, comments, responses? Dwight. So Dwight's comment, for those of you who couldn't hear, is that there are churches where they link baptism with church membership. In other words, in order to become part of a, mem a member of the church, you have to first be baptized. And there are some churches where when you baptize someone, they are automatically inducted into the membership of the church. Oh, okay. So they, they would say that, sorry, can you repeat that again, Dwight, that there, you shouldn't be baptized. There are clergy who would say you shouldn't be baptized unless you are joining the church. And there are scriptures like the Ethiopian eunuch, for example, in, in Acts 7 um, and Paul, where they, they don't immediately join a local body. Okay. You see the, the problem, the inevitable problem of baptism. Uh, you, you can't separate these, friends. Like, what... Our scriptures talked about, so Romans 6, 4, right? I, I just read it. Um, Galatians says the same thing. First Corinthians says the same thing. It's the term that you are baptized into Christ. So now we have a problem. We have the exact problem you're identifying, but it comes out of the scriptures, right? Because as soon as I trust Jesus, I never get Jesus alone. I get him with all the rest of you, sorry lot. Right? Like, the, you, got, you got stuck with me, and I got stuck with you because we are now brothers and sisters because I never get Jesus by myself. Paul, on the road to Damascus, what's Jesus say to him? No, he says, why are you persecuting me? Be what was Paul doing? He was killing the people out here. But Jesus takes that so personally, right? Sorry for calling you a sorry lot. Dude. I'm going to go home and be like, Ben, that was such an idiot thing to say. Oh. You remember when I prayed at the beginning, I was like, Lord, let all of my stuff stay. Somehow it still hit. I'm sorry. See, you got stuck with me. Um, we get each other uh, when we come to Jesus. And frankly, in the, the New Testament world, they didn't get to go and pick which flavor and brand of church they were going to participate in because there was like one per city, right? And so you didn't get to be with the people you liked better. Um, so the whole baptism church membership thing got, got tangled right from the beginning because Jesus tangled it. Um, and it gets really hard for church bodies then to figure out how do we make sure that people can be obedient to Jesus and then at the same time figure out how we can run an organization that needs decisions made. And decisions should only be made by those who have demonstrated spiritual maturity, but unfortunately, we have to define it in a variety of ways. It gets so puzzling and so tricky. So a few years ago, actually a number of years ago, this came up at the, the vote, the meeting here a couple of weeks ago. And I, I reminded you of that this church actually eventually separated those two things. So you could be baptized, but then not automatically join this church uh, in formal membership. Precisely so, so far as I know. Precisely so that we could make sure that people would follow Jesus without the potential stumbling block of becoming a member of this church. But church bodies are going to do different things with that. And it's tricky, but it's tricky precisely because you got me and I got you when we got Jesus. Um, I don't know if... I, I ran so far in my own direction with that. I'm not sure if I even hit, but feel free to come back to me because I, I just sort of spewed there for a minute. So what you're saying is you're, it's legitimate for people to be baptized having not been baptized in a church, into a church 
either in a church or into a church body. Agreed, because we have that precedent in Scripture, and yet Scripture wouldn't leave that as the final word, right? And it, it would, and I'm not saying you would even say that. I want to say that for the sake of the other hearers, right? That, uh, yeah, you can go and get baptized by your friend in his hot tub, just the two of you. Would that have the full um, significance that it probably should have, that baptism probably should have? That's for you to kind of weigh. I'm not so sure, and I would, I, I would encourage people to, to, to do their baptism publicly precisely because of the commitment thing. Like, yeah, some people do get married in a field with two witnesses. Um, but even then, bans are declared ahead of time. And, you know, there, there's still a public component to this um, that I, I think should probably be carefully considered. If someone really, really pushed me, would I baptize them on their own? I can't say for sure um, right now. Possibly because I get that scripture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's the testimony piece that is one of the most powerful pieces for people. Powerful both for the person giving it and also for the people hearing it, right? Revelation says the spirit of, uh, the, the spirit, what is it? The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, which translation means when Jesus does something in my life, it, he can do it in yours too. That's, that's all that verse means. Um, but it's really important, therefore, that we share our stories of what Jesus has done because it gives other people opportunity to hear about, he did that for you, he'll do it for me. Right? That's why I started with um, set the captives free. If he did it for some people, he'll do it for you. Thanks for raising that fight and letting me go on. Joel. Yes, absolutely. Did you have more? Sorry, I jumped in there because it's like, yeah, like heck yes. <laughs> yeah. Joel's question was, do you think that um, saying you're committing to Jesus, but then not being baptized will limit you in your walk with Jesus? Like, yeah, for sure. So I think you already knew that, which is why you were feeding me that question. Because um, <laughs> I know you're a pretty smart guy. Um, but that's a, that's a great question um, to throw out there as a question rather than a comment, but it was a, it was a veiled comment. Um, but absolutely, it will limit you because all disobedience limits, right? It's, it's just, sorry to make it that blunt, but not to be baptized is straight up disobedience. You, you can't call yourself a disciple and not do the entrance rites of discipleship. Right? Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what I said. It's get up and be baptized. So where's the sign-up sheet? If you love me, you'll do what I said. Because it's Lydia, I will, I will, I was going to move on, but please go ahead. Lydia's question is, if someone was baptized as an infant, um, is it preference or is it required for them to be baptized as an adult? Or as a, as a believer. So we, we make the distinction between infant baptism and believer's baptism. So some people will make the joke that, Baptists baptize believers. Presbyterians baptize unbelievers, right? Which 
is a joke with a barb in it because it's true. And so, yeah, there are people who will go different directions and answer you differently. I personally would say, no, you still have to be baptized in order to obey Jesus. Um, So someone else, um, someone else can't, I would ask them if they actually believe in arranged marriage. You believe in arranged marriage? Would you, would you, uh, would your friend say, you know, say this is your friend who's, let's say 14 and says, I was baptized as a, as an infant. You'd say, oh, so if your parents pick your future spouse for you, are you okay with that? Remember, it's the wedding ring, right? It's the commitment. Not knocking arranged marriage. It was in the Old Testament, but there, there's a shift in the New Testament. And there's a reason why I raised that because um, John the Baptist says to uh, the Pharisees, uh, oh, you um, do, not, do not say that, oh, we're children of Abraham. We're in. He calls them to get baptized because being a child of a believer um, isn't enough. Okay? If you didn't follow that argument, don't worry about it. Um, the arranged marriage thing will work. It's still the question of um, whether or not you have truly been obedient by trusting in someone else's decision for you. I would say no. Other people would go differently. I have to call it there because this went way longer than I was going to, but I'm happy to continue interacting afterwards. Great question. So glad you raised that. Thanks, Lydia. I'd like to give you a minute just to ask God, what do I do with this? Okay. And then we're going to move into communion. I can't make this argument from scripture, um, so you take that under advisement. Um, But there's a distinction that is made in scripture between followers and disciples. Crowds followed Jesus. They weren't committed. Disciples were committed. And the disciples were baptizing those people. I can't, I can't go beyond that, but I would ask you if you are a fo- follower or if you are a disciple. Yes, I hear the rustling. We are, we're moving into communion. Feel free to open those. Baptism is a washing. It's a funeral. It's a wedding. Communion is an anniversary. Communion is a celebration of our anniversary, or is an anniversary celebration of our wedding with Jesus. It's where we remind ourselves every time of our commitment to Jesus. That should probably raise questions for those who participate in communion but haven't yet gone through baptism. I don't want to draw a hard line with that. Again, there is the whole children question. Um, but nevertheless, we, we come to these elements, and it is a celebration of the Jesus who has washed us. It's a celebration of the Jesus who washed us by dying for us. It is a celebration of the Jesus who met me and committed to me forever. It's the death and resurrection. It's the wedding. Right? I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's lifelong commitment. And it is possible, all of this is possible, only because he went to the cross for you. Only because he died for you. He took your sin. He took my sin. It stayed down in the grave, and he rose to new life. And this is the, the symbol that reminds us of the death, 
and the resurrection because he says that you eat this until I come again. Would you do that now? Would you celebrate the anniversary of Jesus' death and resurrection and our meeting him? Take in remembrance of him, please. Lord, I hear people saying, thank you, Jesus, and I echo that. It is thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. All for Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. In his presence, daily live. I surrender all. Lord, in our baptisms, we die to ourselves. We join you in death to live as we are raised, live only the life of Christ. Lord, would you make us people who live that commitment, that I don't have a life anymore. It's not I who live, it is Christ who lives in me. And this life I now live, I live to God who loved me and gave himself for me. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Lord, may the rest of our lives be an offering to Jesus for his sacrifice and his great love for us. May everything we do be a response of worship because you deserve nothing less. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God is good and all the time. Go in peace, brothers and sisters. Have a great week. Thanks for being here.